You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Tag. I hammered it again. At the track. I indeed the right. That ball just got out of here. This is going to go to the rock pile. This ball's getting small. This is Charles. Right back at the track. Seems like the ball's had a lot of life the last couple of nights. We could go back to back. Here's Adam Engel swinging a long one to left. We're going to have a tie ball game. He did go back to back. High and deep. This is crushed the left center field. This is going to go for a home run. Way out of here. This this is White Sox Weekly. The White Sox have been busy this offseason. They signed a couple of top free agents and spent some bucks in the process. Boy, this ball is hammered. Closed up some holes. Inside corner, that is a dirty dozen for Dallas Keuchel. Goslin, line shot caught by Gio Gonzalez. And they've added some serious talent. Back in a deep right field, and it is gone. A no-doubter for Yasmani Grandal. The proverbial window has begun to open. The Chicago Baseball Conversation. Point back at the track. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is gone. 720 WGN. And welcome in to this edition of White Sox Weekly. I'm Andy Mazur, and I'll be with you here till 5 o'clock. Curtis Koch is on the other side of the glass producing our show here today. we got a lot to get to. Uh, not a whole lot of White Sox news uh, per se this week, but I'm not sure if you heard there was a little cheating scandal that went on in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I'll offer my thoughts on that here in just a second. Also, we're going to hear from Dylan Cease, who will begin his first full Major League season with the Chicago White Sox last year. 14 starts, 4-7 and seven record, a 5.79 ERA. And again, I always say this, when you got a young pitcher coming up and one that's approaching the most innings he's ever thrown in a particular season – Throw out those numbers. The fact that he's out there making 14 starts is what people should have been looking at last year, and hopefully that's what he was looking at. We'll find out from uh, from his perspective coming up here in just a few moments. Also, we'll check in with Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Yeah, there were uh, uh, some things going on this offseason we want to check in with Scott about, and uh, maybe we look forward to spring training of 2020, which is, by the way, just around the corner. As I look up behind me, uh, some uh, little light snow flurries are flying out of the sky here in downtown Chicago today when I woke up. Uh, came to the station earlier today. It was uh, five. <laughs> five degrees on my car thermometer. And we're talking about spring training, which is uh, perfect to talk about uh, around these parts these days. And uh, there's a lot of optimism, of course, and rightfully so. I think people are jacked about what uh, what the White Sox did this offseason. Now you got to go out and prove it in the regular season. Uh, there are no trophies for winning the offseason. I think we all know that. But it's a great step in the right direction as far as trying to win that trophy uh, in the regular season when you have a good offseason. Now you just have to hope that things kind of fall into place. And uh, you hope to go through a season relatively healthy, which is always the big key for any team. Uh, forget about uh, their their, uh, their expectations. If you're, if you're hurt, it's tough to win. And uh, hopefully the, the White Sox now have enough depth in certain spots that they're going to be able to uh, withstand injuries because they're going to happen. I mean, it's just the fact of the matter, they do they happen. Uh, a lot of the good teams, though, they catch those lucky breaks and they go through a season relatively healthy. So hopefully that'll be the case for the White Sox, who are uh, getting ready for Sox Fest coming up this weekend as well at the McCormick Place, a new uh, location. And uh, 
it's uh, garnered some interest. Let's put it to you that way, because uh, the White Sox announcing on Friday that the two-day and single-day passes have officially been sold out for SoxFest 2020. And uh, that's kind of crazy and kind of good to hear. Uh, activities of the two-day event, again, will be held January 24th and 25th. A whole lot of autograph sessions uh, to be had and a whole lot of former players and current players uh, will be coming by and uh, will also be uh, saying hello. There'll be some panels. I've been asked to do a couple of those. We'll tell you more about those as we get a little closer to the events there. So we hope to see you out there at SoxFest coming up uh, this weekend. So as mentioned, we got a lot to get to. Dylan Cease will be joining us here in just a few moments. Scott Merkin will join us as well. And uh, we'll wax a little poetic about uh, the cheating scandal that has rocked Major League Baseball to this point and uh, was all the rage and all the talk uh, leading up to this week. Sox fans, single-game tickets are on sale right now. Be here for it all. Watch us change the game in 2020. Get your tickets to WhiteSox.com. And you can upgrade your game day in 2020 with premium seating. Enjoy an all-inclusive experience with packages starting at just 20 games. Cheer on your socks from the best seats in the house. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or 312-674-1000. When we return, Dylan Cease joins us on White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. And welcome back in, White Sox Weekly. Andy Bazer with you here until 5 o'clock. Our conversation coming up here with Dylan C., sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun and dylan cease joins us now and uh dylan thanks for joining us we appreciate the time yeah thanks for having me you got it how's the off season going for you so far going well um you know i'm just getting ready down in atlanta so i'll be be heading to spring training pretty soon what uh how long does it take you normally to to kind of uh decompress from <laughs> from a long season i'd say about a month um the first First month or so of the off season, I usually you know just hang out, um, hang out with family, and uh, don't do too much. Kind of just to clear the mind more than anything. I, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a physical, sure. it's a physical grind, and I think maybe you found that out uh, this this time around with uh, coming up and making 14 starts, uh, understanding that you know not only is it uh, the game itself, but all the other things that go into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you gotta you gotta take into account the you know the days in between your starts as well when you're preparing for your start. Um, then it's you know it's pretty much nonstop from uh, February to September or through October. So um, it's just something you gotta you know be mentally ready for too. Speaking of mentally ready, what was last season like for you? Can you put it into some kind of a word? I mean, uh, you come up with a lot of uh, a lot of hoopla, a lot of fanfare on that uh, July third start uh, at Guaranteed Rate Field, and then uh, you know, kind of uh, finished out the year with them. Yeah, I'm, uh, it was a great learning experience. Um, it's it's one of those things where you can only prepare so much uh, for the big leagues when you're in the minor leagues. So um, you know, seeing seeing everything and seeing how the travel works and all the little stuff like that really goes a long way. Was that the biggest thing that maybe uh, was a surprise? If there was any kind of a real surprise for you uh, approaching a big league season, biggest surprise. Um, no, I mean, I've been doing it since since I was eighteen, so I was, you know, I'm pretty. I know, I know how how my body is going to feel. You know, I know what I need to do to get get that ready. Um, the biggest surprise is probably. It's probably just the difference between, you know, like the games really do count and, you know, you're playing 
bigger stadiums, you're playing in big cities, you know, little stuff like that. Um, that that's completely different than the minor leagues. Yeah, and and being counted on to make that start every fifth time, every fifth day too. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So if you had to look back at last season, and I don't, I'm not really into grades or anything, but you know, a lot of people look at the numbers, and I know you yeah. got to look past numbers. I mean, what what was your thought on how you performed? Uh, maybe to your expectations, or maybe not to your expectations. Um, I didn't. Uh, I wouldn't say it was really my expectations. Um, I, I think I have a room to be a lot better. Um, what I'm happy about is the fact that my numbers did trend better towards the end, and I felt like um, I, you know, started making adjustments and um, stopped cutting my my fastball quite as much, and little things like that were. Um, I, I ended the season on a pretty strong note, which makes me excited for this upcoming season. Dylan Cease joining us here on White Sox Weekly as we uh, continue here towards spring training and a White Sox Fest coming up this weekend as well. Uh, you know, you, you talk a little bit about uh, numbers. Is it difficult for a guy, though, because you mentioned in the minors, everything is about numbers because it's you look at the sparkling numbers and bring a guy up to the big leagues. How difficult is that to kind of look past when you're in the big leagues? Uh, I mean, it, it can be, but uh, for me, really, it's just how am I executing pitches? Um, if I feel like if I feel like the ball's coming out good and I'm executing pitches, um, the numbers are going to be what they're going to be. But that's really all, all I can control. So um, that's that's a better indicator for me. What uh, what kind of routines are you going through now as you get yourself ready to to, to get down to Glendale and uh, and start working? Yeah, uh, so four days a week I do. Um, weight training and then two days a week i do pilates so um wednesday is just pilates and every other day is either weight training and pilates or just weight training um so that and then i'm throwing pretty much every day at this point um as well yeah, i know pilates was big uh, a big thing for you in the last couple of years here kind of explain because you know i'm, I'm still kind of foreign to the whole concept i mean i've heard of yoga before I, i've heard of pilates i'm not uh, I, I, I i've actually heard of it but i've never done it uh, what, yeah. what kind of things, what does that do for you? Is it, is it a physical thing? Is it a mental thing? Is it both? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think really the main thing would be body control. Um, it's, it's definitely a heavy core workout. So it, it makes it perfect for a little bit more of a recovery day where I'm not trying to use, you know, my legs or my, my back, my big muscles that I just worked out. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta get in these different positions and use your core and, and engage everything. So, um, you know, you're getting you're getting that sort of workout, and then at the same time, it's it's body control, which is great for pitching because, you know, the more I'm aware of like where my body is and how it's moving, um, the more accurate I'm going to be. How did that come about for you? How how did you uh, learn about Pilates, and how did that become part of your regimen? Uh, when I was with the Cubs, I remember reading that Jake Arrieta did it, and that's mm -hmm. when he was uh, I think that was 2015 or 16. Um, so I was like, anything this guy's doing, I'm going to try. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's working for one guy, maybe it can work yeah. for someone else, right? Why not, right? Yeah, exactly. Got to give exactly. it. Got to give it a shot. Uh, Dylan, yeah. I know you've been paying attention to to what the White Sox have been doing here this off season. You got to be pretty happy and, and pretty pleased with uh, with things overall. I'm just kind of curious too, because you you threw to James McCann quite a bit last year. What have you heard about uh, Yasmani Grandal, and have you had a chance to chat with him yet? Yeah, um, I've talked with him a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's well known that he's. He's really good at uh, framing pitches and, and getting strikes. Um, so, yeah, I love it. It's, it's really – there's no bad option when it comes to the catchers. Um, whoever I'm going to throw to is, is going to be um, good and somebody that I can trust. So, 
uh, I'm, I'm very excited for that. And yeah, I've talked with him a little bit, um, just more like getting to know each other. So I'm sure, you know, when spring training comes around and I throw to him and he sees my stuff in person, we can talk, we'll be able to come up with, um, you know, better game plans and, and all that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there's no, there's no bad option there because uh, you've got an all-star and an all-star. Yeah, yeah, two very good options. And it's got to be good for a young guy, too, because, you know, you're going to be starting your first full big league season here. And uh, was James McCann one of the guys that you kind of leaned on a little bit last year when you, you wanted information, maybe not just talking to the fellow pitchers, but also to the catcher? Yeah, I mean, definitely. He's he's one of the, I would say, one of the leaders of the clubhouse. So, um, you know, him and Gio and, and uh, Nova are kind of guys that I really leaned on. Um, but this year, obviously, there's there's a, a lot of options, um, which is exciting. Um, and I look forward to picking all their brains. Um, yeah, so there's a, a lot of good opportunity to learn and a lot of opportunity to watch how these guys prepare and go about it. Chatting with Dylan Cease here on White Sox Weekly, joining us here. I appreciate the time. And uh, you know, you mentioned uh, that there, there's some bolstering of the starting rotation now. Uh, Gio Gonzalez gets picked up. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, of course, guys that uh, yeah. are pretty well known. Uh, now, you as a guy sitting back and watching all this happen, uh, what are you, what are your emotions and uh, and what are you looking forward to most? Yeah, I'm, I mean, emotions wise, it's it's pretty much the same for me, which is always just you know get ready for the season and and prepare to be my best. Um, but you know, it is. It's it's very easy to almost get in like a uh, kind of a fan mode where you're like, man, this this team's really looking good. It's, um, you know, they're they're made they make uh, commitments and um, you know they're obviously showing that they're ready. They want us to compete and we're ready to compete. So um, it's it's exciting. Um, I'm definitely ready to get after it with them. And pretty different going to spring training this year. Pretty much knowing, and again, nothing's guaranteed, but pretty much knowing yeah. that. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna break camp with with the big league club here, and, and now that there are some expectations, does that change your mindset at all? Um, no, you know, like you said, I don't. I'm not really going in expecting anything. I always, you know, try to prepare my best and and go go at it like that. Um, but no, I for me, that doesn't really change anything. Um, it's it's the same, you know. Get get your business done, take care of things, and and compete. Yeah, and just be a professional and uh, go about your job and uh, kind of keep your nose clean. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, I got to go back to a, a story that I think we told uh, at the uh, Sox Fest last year about your, your – you have a twin brother. And yes. I'm sure that was fun growing up with a twin, right? Did you guys have your own little uh, special language with each other? Uh, probably when we were kids. Um, no, growing up we, we were always on the same baseball teams and, you know, we were always doing stuff together. And it was just strange. I mean, you guys are on the same high school team, obviously, and you're you're trying for uh, for state championships there in uh, in Georgia. Yeah, um, you know, growing up, we always had we always uh, we talked about this recently. We always had really good teams because uh, we were kind of our team would kind of be stacked because he and I would be, you know, the coaches' kids, and we'd get another first round pick and so forth. So we'd have like by the end of it, you know, half the lineup was a uh, first round picks in a stacked team. But yeah, it was. Uh, you know, always very fun. Um, growing up, I always had somebody to do something with, um, and even now, you know, we live together. And um, he's pretty much who I spend most of the off season uh, doing stuff with. Oh, that's cool. Now, he did not follow the baseball dream, uh, if I remember correctly. He became a pilot. Is that correct? Yeah, he's working on it right now, actually. And uh, I know that you told a story last year at, at SoxFest, and for those that weren't there, uh, Chris Getz had a nice reaction to this whole thing, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, ha you had a moment with him on a plane where he kind of did something on purpose that uh, you didn't know was on purpose? Yeah, it was, uh, 
his girlfriend and I and, and him uh, were flying, and his flight instructor were flying from, uh, I think, Kennesaw, Georgia, to down to Florida, um, and uh, halfway, and it was a little bit of like a stormy, um, stormy day out, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything like thunderstormy or scary, just a little bit of uh, dark clouds and stormy. Um, so we get up there, and like halfway through the flight, uh, we started losing altitude to the point where like his girlfriend like grabbed my hand and, you know, we were like sitting there, you know, clenching and, and getting nervous. But, um, yeah, they didn't tell us that, uh, they had to switch the uh, fuel tank from, I guess, uh, auxiliary to main or something like that. So, uh, it was like a solid probably five or 10 seconds of just free falling before they switched it. And, uh, so yeah, we freaked out a little bit. Uh, and so did Chris gets when you told that story last year, telling you to never get in a plane with him again. Yeah, well, he actually just invited me uh, to go back up, so I'll have to see if I'm uh, if I'm in the mood to do that again, <laughs> or if you're allowed to. <laughs> yeah, if I'm allowed to, I'll get to. Uh, awesome, hey Dylan, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, and uh, hope you have a cre- continued great off season, and well, uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you at Soxfest coming up this weekend. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You got it, Dylan Cease joining us cool. here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, great to catch up with him, and, and you know, I love the perspective that he brings to things. He's a very cerebral guy. Uh, he's always thinking about things, which is, you know, sometimes you get to the point where you're like, don't think, just throw. And I think with him, he kind of figured some things out, as he was mentioning, too, with uh, learning about what was working and what wasn't working. A lot of times last year he would get hurt early in games. But then you would see a different guy in the second inning, the third inning, the fourth inning, the fifth inning, and the sixth inning if he was able to get that far. And, I, and I'm sure one of the things he's probably working on uh, and obviously won't tell us, but uh, is pitch economy, you know, just trying to check, I get through a first inning with less than 20 pitches. Uh, it didn't happen a lot for him last year, but again, you, know, you have to understand uh, the uh, the adrenaline that goes through a guy when he gets to the big leagues for the first time, and especially when you have expectations on you like, like he did, especially with a lot of the hoopla that he and uh, Michael Kopech had. And, you know, I, I think this year, too, the nice things about those additions that we talked about with Dallas Keuchel and also with Gio Gonzalez is the fact that you don't have to slot these guys really high in the rotation, and there is going to be an opportunity, I am almost positive. Again, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm almost positive that there'll be a chance that if a guy is scuffling a little bit, you can push him back a start. You can push him back and let him get the, let him get the feel for it again. You know, Michael Kopech's going to come to spring training without any restrictions, uh, and we're going to talk to, to Scott Merkin about uh, Kopech in particular uh, coming up when we chat with him uh, here in just a few moments as well. Plus, uh, we're going to touch on the the cheating scandal that has hit Major League Baseball. Uh, the Houston Astros, right now, the the most affected, the Boston Red Sox, and yes, even the New York Mets, affected by the fallout from uh, this scandal going on with the Houston Astros and banging on garbage cans and buzzers on players. Who'd have thought they would ever come to that, would you? I don't know. I have no idea. Hey, pick 10 plans are on sale right now. Get ready for the 2020 season with this flexible and affordable ticket plan. Pick your games, your opponents, your schedule with lower-level plans starting at $205. Visit WhiteSox.com to pick up your plan and do it today. Much more on White Sox Weekly coming your way in just a moment on 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. All right. Microphone issue for uh, Radio 101. You got to push the button to make yourself be, uh, be heard. Right, Curtis? That's how that, that's how that works, right? Yeah, I'm okay. off. All right. Thanks. Same thing. Thanks very much. 
Uh, White Sox Weekly continuing here on 720 WGN. Andy Mazur with you here. We're here till 5 o'clock. Blackhawks hockey coming your way tonight at 5.30 as well. But now we welcome in our next guest. We uh, had Dylan Cease on earlier. And uh, we get to talk to Scott Merkin of MLB.com, who covers the White Sox like a glove. Merk, how you doing, man? Good. I think my fastball's got a little less life than Dylan Cease, but I'll, I'll do what I can. Follow you know, him up, though. Give yourself some credit, man. I've seen you throw. <laughs> it's It's horrible. <laughs> well, it's the first time we've had to uh, had time to catch up here during this off season, and and I know that a lot right. has been mentioned about uh, you know all the moves and this and that and the other. Uh, you know, we talked to Dylan uh, Cease a moment ago, as I mentioned, and uh, he kind of had a thought that uh, he, he's really anxious as a younger player to kind of get to spring training and see what these guys are all about, get to know them, and pick their brains. This is kind of a cool opportunity for a lot of these young guys to get together with some veterans who are established in big league baseball. Yeah, you know, we saw this work um, last year with the Twins. You know, after the Twins made all their moves in the offseason, as the season progressed, I talked to a couple people in the organization. I've, I've told the story a number of times, but that, you know, the veterans they added, the Nelson Cruz, Marwin Gonzalez, Martin Perez, Jonathan Scope, uh, I'm forgetting someone in there. But, you know, that whole crew that, you know, all had playoff experience, all had dealt with winning divisions you know, getting to the postseason really influenced the younger guys. They really, you know, and, and, and they were good too on top of it. You know, they, they were good producing players. I mean, Sox fans can attest to how good Nelson Cruz was last year, I think, firsthand. So I, I think it's, it's you know, Rick Hans talked about this a little bit on conference calls that, you know, you want good players. You got to ultimately have players that are going to help you win. But it's not a, it's a very good thing. Actually, I was going to say not a bad thing. It's above not a bad thing. It's a very good thing to have players who can, also influence these younger guys and kind of teach them how to win and kind of show them the ropes to get to the postseason. Even if it doesn't happen in 2020, you have guys like Grandal and Ciszek and uh, Keiko and Gonzalez, you know, and then Jose Abreu coming back, Encarnacion. So, you know, all guys who have who've done this before minus Abreu, but he's, you know, obviously in a different stratosphere with his importance to the team and know what it takes to kind of push, make that postseason push once you get going. I want to get back to the rotation here in just a second, but you, there, there's some kind of a like a, a falsehood I, I hear every once in a while, and I want you to kind of uh, dispel this if you can. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, now they're going for it, and they're, they're bringing in all these veterans. That must mean that there's nothing left in the farm system, there's nothing left in the pipeline, and that, to me, that could not be further from the truth. No, I think you see it, though, in any team before them that is rebuilt, you know, the Cubs, the, well, I guess the Astros have kept it going pretty well, but the Royals, you know, that you hit a point where a lot of your guys, a lot of your top guys, a lot of the elite guys that are ranked at the top, you know, 40 or 50 by MLB pipeline, make their jump to the majors and they're no longer considered prospects and if they're very young veterans. So, you know, the system might drop a little bit, but geez, there's still plenty of guys down there. And there are some guys down there who have, an abundance of talent and maybe it hasn't clicked for them yet. And maybe this is the year, you know, you saw a guy like Gavin sheets last year mm-hmm. who after not having a great start with the white Sox, you know, it, it was okay, but it wasn't great. Really took off last year. And, and, you know, sometimes it takes one season, it takes one or two weeks to have things click and kind of push you forwards. And I'm talking about guys like Blake Rutherford or Luis Vesavier. How about Mike Rodolfo who just hasn't been healthy really, you know, and I think I wrote this in our, my inbox last week, you know, mailbags, fans questions. Mm-hmm that I think, you know, Adolfo could be a big sleeper on this team. I, you know, he's, he's now, he's gone from this, you know, skinny kid who was their big international signing before Luis Robert to looking like he could play linebacker for the Bears at this point, you know, and he's got a good arm in the outfield, good power. So, yeah, there's plenty of guys out there. Are they, you know, the top two or three system at this point? No, but, I mean, there's still, there's still enough in that core, more than enough in that core, A, 
to replenish from within if there's some underperformance or if there's some injuries, and B, to make moves eventually that you're going to have to do, as we've seen, again, other rebuilding teams do, to, you know, maybe acquire that piece that pushes you from, you know, two games out of the of first place in the AL Central to hosting a, a playoff series. Uh, hopefully this makes sense. But does it also, in, in some respects, and I'm, I guess I'm thinking more on the lines of some of the pitchers like Dane Dunning and, and Jimmy Lampert, does it kind of slow the pressure on them a little bit to develop quicker, especially coming back from injury? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is, Rick Hahn mentioned this a couple of times last year, that, you know, if Dane Dunning was perfectly healthy and didn't hurt himself the season before, if he'd gone through that whole season healthy and pitched like he had been, I think he would have been a candidate, you know, maybe on the fringe, but a candidate to break camp as the team's fifth starter last year. So, you know, I, I, Rick has said this a number of times, that the good ones have a way of forcing the issue. But one thing the Sox have done exceptionally in this rebuild is, not force guys up because of injury, not force guys up because of underperformance. You know, they let them kind of – their goal is to get them up here, and when they get up here, they stay up here. Now, that doesn't always, as Rick likes to say, doesn't always work in linear development. You know, he pointed to guys like Aaron Rowan and Joe Creedy in the past who came up, struggled, went back down, and then helped the team win a World Series in 05. So not everyone is going to come up and just hit high gear right from the start or even stick right from the start, but their goal is to have them the best prepared as they possibly can. So, yeah, I mean – they're, they're all these guys. You look at a guy like Jose Abreu, who I think is a huge factor on this team in the clubhouse, still on the field, you know, what he did last year. And you have him for three years along with Encarnacion for one year with an option. Well, you got a guy like Andrew Vaughn who is, you know, moving up the prospect list at lightning speed across baseball. But there's no reason to force the kid, right? I mean, let him develop, let him get all the experience he can because you have guys, not only have guys in place, but you have quality guys in place. So, when his time comes, he'll be ready, and this gives him the chance to kind of develop at his own pace. Scott Merkin of MLB.com joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Andy Mazur with you here. We go till 5 o'clock. Uh, Mark, let's go back to the uh, the rotation here for a second. And, and speaking of uh, guys coming back from injury, of course, a lot of people are going to be looking at Michael Kopech and, and wondering what to expect from him and what might be reasonable to expect from a guy coming back from Tommy John surgery this year. I mean, we, I think – you have to wait and see. You know, I mean, it's, it's 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 tough to say without seeing the guy kind of throw and get into action and get going. Maybe we'll get a better idea in spring training. Maybe we'll get a better idea when we talk to him, you know, this week before SoxFest and during SoxFest. But, you know, I mean, he only had, what, four starts, big league starts, before he was injured after that Detroit start. So, I, you know, I think they're going to go slow with him. I think they're going to let him. I would I would be surprised if he breaks camp with the team, especially with the way the rotation is configured right now. But I think he's still firmly in the picture. And, you know, let them kind of build up a little bit in the minors and then get back to the major leagues and take off from there. It'll be interesting to see how they, you know, work it because you have, you know, five starters right now in uh, Gilito, Keiko, Gonzalez, Cease, and Lopez. And you have Kopech coming back from Virginia. You have Carlos Verdant, who will come back a little later in the year, probably, you know, second half of the season. But, you know, it is, is the Sox have talked about it. Many teams have talked about it. It's a good problem to have when you have too much, <laughs> too much talent available there. So, you know, we'll see what, what Kopech does. I mean, last I talked to him was a little bit ago, but he felt good. He was on progress. He was on target, making progress on target, combining two, two sentences there, nice, nice. and re- ready to go. So, you know, we'll see him kind of full boat going uh, spring training for sure. Scott Merkin of MLB.com joining us here on White Sox Weekly and the amount of time we have left for you. Uh, you know, I'm, I saw your mailbag in uh, answering the questions that you did on MLB.com and WhiteSox.com. Uh, and I know that uh, I know your feeling on this, but who gets the ball opening day and who deserves the ball opening day? I think, you know, both answers are Lucas Giolito, right? I mean, no offense to Dallas Keiko, who's a Cy Young winner, 
who's a World Series winner, who's a great veteran pitcher. But I think, you know, with the work Giolito did last offseason, to kind of take that rough 18 and kind of say, well, this isn't me. I'm going to, you know, do all I can to kind of turn this thing around and fix himself, not fix himself, change himself physically, mechanically, mentally, and really move to the top of that White Sox rotation. You know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's Giolito's honor to get the opening day start this year. And again, you know, it's, it's one start and then the rotation kind of lays out from there. But I think, you know, you, you go to Lucas this time around for the 2020 start against Kansas City. Plus, he's got very good numbers against Kansas City, so it's even an extra bonus to start him on opening day there. That's a good point. I mean, and, you know, you, t- you talk about good problems to have as far as the, the pitchers are concerned. When you look at Ricky Renteria and what he can do with a lineup at this point, uh, you've got guys that can play uh, multiple positions and also guys that are actually comfortable in the DH role, unlike Jose Abreu, who does not like to do it, goes kicking and screaming every time he has to do it. Right, yeah, I, th- I think one of the key things with Encarnacion, besides, you know, a proven home run hitter, a proven power guy, which the White Sox were clearly lacking last year. They were third from the bottom in the AL and team home runs, only ahead of Kansas City and Detroit, is a guy who's, I think it's 723 career games as a designated hitter. So, you know, this is a guy who knows what you're doing there, and it's not a guy who has played a position his whole career, and you're kind of forcing him into the DH role, which has not worked for this team very well in the past. So, yeah, I mean, Abreu's going to get games at DH, and, you know, eventually he's probably going to move into DH full-time, but it's a great thing having Encarnacion. And I know, excuse me, we were talking to Ricky the other day on a conference call, and he, he was asked about that. He's like, yeah, you guys can't see me smiling, but I'm <laughs> right now smiling here in Arizona about having a bat like Encarnacion in the lineup. So, yeah, it's a good fit and a good fit at DH on top of that. Yeah, and plus now with the, with the 26th man that uh, that is on this roster for the entire right. year, not just for double headers. And you're throwing a guy like Zach Collins, and you kind of think to yourself, "All right, well, if this is if he's the guy to make the 26th player, how does that work with uh, three catchers and 40 ages?" Yeah, you know the, the interesting thing with Collins is I had a chance to talk to him last week, and he sounds different. He just sounds like he's kind of, and I got the same sense talking to Zach Birdie when I did earlier in the off season that you know, kind of they're they're kind of hitting that point where they're like, okay. I kind of get what it takes to get there. Now, granted, Zach Birdie has not been there yet because of injuries, but I think with Zach Birdie, it was more about just getting over that health barrier. But, yeah, it, you know, the roster construction is going to be an interesting one because you really don't, at this point, you know, assuming Nick Madrigal does not break camp with the team, you don't have a clear-cut starting second baseman, right? So you want a guy who can start second, but you also want guys who can move around the infield. I know they prefer to have their main utility guy, a guy who has experience in shortstop, you know, and then maybe a right-handed bat that, if needed, can platoon with Mazzara and Wright. So, yeah, the interest, it, it will be, even with the extra guy, there will be some interesting uh, roster construction to go through spring training with the White Sox. You know, it's interesting you talk about Collins then and sounding different. I, mean, I don't know if you can put it into words in about a minute or so, but uh, in what way is a guy sounding different between uh, kind of struggling last year but maybe figuring it out toward the end? I think, you know, as a lot of young guys who have never struggled, that first time up, maybe he just figured, you know, I mean, good Lord, you get first at bat, Wrigley Field, pinch hit or walks. Second at bat, three-run homer to center field in Texas. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy who has done well his whole career and maybe, you know, maybe needed that struggle to see, okay, maybe what I'm doing needs a little bit of adjustment, but this part that I'm doing does work. And I think the second time back, you know, he went down to Charlotte. He fixed some things with Frank Menachino, who's now his hitting coach. He got it a little better, and he, you know, looked noticeably different in that September cop. Now he's working with Yasmani Grandal, who are their friends from, you know, almost a decade working on kind of pitch framing and catching and everything else. So he knows, you know, that he's going to hit. He knows he's going to produce the plate, as Rick Renteria said. Catching, you know, being behind the plate, his work there is what's going to define what, you know, what kind of career I think Zach has. But I I just get a greater sense of confidence from him going forward. You know, he never lacked in it. 
but I think it's an extra, kind of an extra level of understanding to go with that confidence moving into 2020. All right, well said. Appreciate that uh, that information there. And uh, Scott Merkin, always a pleasure to catch up with you, and I'm sure we will see you at McCormick Place this weekend. I will be there. Thanks, Andy. All right, you got it. Scott Merkin of MLB.com writes uh, uh, very well for the uh, covering the White Sox. He has a, a mailbag on uh, online right now. Uh, there are so many questions to get to. Some of them he does have answered in his mailbag if you want to go to whitesox.com. I know there were a lot of people that were uh, were texting in and, and were tweeting about Madrigal, 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 and uh, you know, uh, Merck Scott uh, got that all in here. He, he kind of alluded to it that he doesn't believe that uh, Madrigal will break camp, but, uh, you know, again, who knows? I mean, we, saw, we saw a guy last year in Danny Mendick in spring training that, you know, not a lot of people, unless you're really hardcore, knew a whole lot about. And what did he do? Yeah, he comes up when an opportunity arises and hits a home run on his birthday and, you know, becomes a, a guy that's actually in the conversation uh, for breaking camp. So you never know what's going to happen. I mean, that, that's why they have spring training. I know it seems like a long, long process before you get to the big league season, but there's a lot of things that uh, that have to be determined between now and uh, and the end of, um, you know, not, not really the end of March anymore. It's March 26th is opening day. That gets earlier and earlier every year. All right, much more coming up here on White Sox Weekly in just a few moments. Let me remind you that Sox games are better with a group. It's never too early to lock in your 2020 group package. From a diamond suite to a pregame patio party, we've got the perfect space for you and your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. White Sox Weekly continues in just a moment on 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. As we get the home stretch here on White Sox Weekly, Andy Mazur with you. Blackhawks hockey coming your way at 530 tonight. Chris Bowden will have the pregame. We'll have the Blackhawks and the Winnipeg Jets coming up from the United Center. Uh, first things first, uh, I want to get here a couple of pieces of tape that uh, I, I acquired today, uh, mainly from uh, from WhiteSox.com. We'll give them their uh, their credit at this point. Uh, we'll hear from the manager. We're also going to hear from uh, Farm Director Chris Getz, but I want to hear from the manager first. This is something we talked about a little bit, uh, not only with Dylan Cease earlier in the show, but also with uh, Scott Merkin just moments ago with the acquisition of Yasmani Grandal. What does that do to Ricky Renteria's catching and rotation? Randall comes with a with a, an understanding of uh, and been known to handle pitchers very well, uh, pitch framing things of that nature, being able to swing from both sides of the plate. Uh, I think that uh, balancing him and, and James together uh, gives us a really good battery uh, situation. Uh, obviously, Grandal uh, getting in there and, and doing what he can uh, with both his offense and behind the plate. I think uh, the presence. Uh, the ability to be able to communicate with a lot of the guys that we have and maybe bring in some different insight uh, that will continue to expand on what we've had uh, and are building upon and uh, move us forward. All right, so let's read between the lines. Great problem to have. And I think that's kind of the theme of what we've been talking about most of the day today. You know, And, and as Dylan Cease pointed out, I mean, th- there's no losing equation as far as that's concerned if you're a pitcher on this staff. And there's really no losing equation you know, offensively either. I mean, we saw what uh, what James McCann is able to do. And we know through the proven track record of what Yasmani Grandal is, the guy can hit. I mean, I remember uh, being with him in San Diego his rookie year. I saw him hit a home run from each side of the plate in one game in Colorado. He's got power. And the catching game has really developed uh, since that point, and he has really become an excellent catcher uh, in Major League Baseball as well. I think that kind of gets kind of swept under the rug because of all the power numbers that the guy puts up. But fact is, pitchers like to throw to the guy. 
So it'll be a, it'll be interesting to see how that rotation works, and then you include Zach Collins in the mix as well. If that's going to be uh, the third catcher, so to speak, of the twenty sixth man uh, on this roster going forward, again a lot of things still to be determined uh, as far as spring training is concerned. All right, Chris Getz uh, also at the uh, hitters camp, which the White Sox put on for some of their younger hitters. Uh, Nick Madrigal was there, Blake Rutherford was there, Luis Robert was there. So Getz talked a little bit about the maturation of those hitters in particular and also some staff changes. It's been excellent, um, you know, for, for a couple different reasons. I think uh, primarily it's, uh, you know, get the players out here, see where they're at um, in their off season. You know, we, we certainly set out a plan for them to take into the off season to work towards uh, spring training in 2020. And so it's a, it's a check-in, you know, you can physically, you know, mentally, um, see if they've kind of stayed on track and everyone is in a really good place. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we've had some changes on the, on the hitting front, major league hitting coach, new major league assistant hitting coach, a new hitting coordinator. We've got an assistant hitting coordinator. So leadership changes have, um, have been made and to get everyone together, to get everyone on the same page. Um, we're fortunate because Frank Menachino, who's taken over to be the hitting coach, was in AAA last year. He has a built-in relationships already with a lot of these players that are here and will be breaking into the big leagues this year at some point. So um, hopefully that's as seamless as possible. But we've had some tremendous meetings as a group, and then uh, we've brought players in to sit down and and really break down you know, their, their 2019s, uh, their offseason, and talk about what's in front of them in 2020 and allow them to speak, um, which, is, which is always really nice and refreshing. And I'm just happy with things. Kind of cool to hear the crack of the bat in the background there, huh? Oh, boy, can't I wait, especially in the outside right now, and it just looks cold. But, uh, of course, that's Chris Getz, and uh, kind of an interesting point there and kind of cool that uh, the younger players have a little bit of a voice. They're talking a little bit about uh, what they feel they need to work on and uh, what went well for them in 2019, and it should not go unnoticed, uh, that point that he made about Frank Manichino. Uh Yeah, he came up as the uh, the minor league coach uh, that usually travels with the big league club for the, for the month of September once that uh, minor league club has been eliminated from, uh, from playoff contention. And he was around a lot of these guys, as uh, Chris Getz mentioned, especially Luis Robert. And he had some fantastic things to say about Luis Robert, if you remember uh, correctly, uh, last, uh, I think it was September, uh, when he was quoted as saying that the guy's a monster and the, the ball comes off the bat at a different sound and a different speed and a different rate off of Robert's bat than it does from a lot of other players. So it'll be interesting to see that relationship and how that works with Madrigal, too, if he is able to get uh, to the big leagues this year. And I'm sure uh, at some point uh, he, he should get up there, but I don't know about uh, at the very beginning. Uh, of the, uh, the season. All right, and uh, some time we have left. Let me remind you one more thing here real quick. That uh, 2020 ticket packages are on sale right now. You can secure your seat with a 20-game plan. Find the plan that meets your schedule and budget with lower-level plans starting as low as $403. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. All right, before we wrap it up and uh, get to our final break, uh, I know if you've uh, if you've been hiding under a rock lately uh, in Major League Baseball, you, you probably haven't heard about this, but uh, I know you all have, and this cheating scandal that's going on in Big League Ball right now. Uh, I mentioned this a little bit earlier this morning here on the radio station that uh, sign stealing has been going on in Major League Baseball for as long as signs have been shown. It is a source of pride for an opposing third base coach to sit on a bench and look at the opposition and figure out exactly what their signs are. Okay, that's grassroots. That's with your own eyes. 
That's with baseball knowledge. That's with baseball acumen. That's with baseball experience. What's going on with the Astros is not baseball acumen, experience, or any level of expertise. It's a level of expertise, I guess you could say, in technology. Um, If you consider banging on a garbage can technology. Uh, But it's interesting because, you know, you go back to when this thing all started. A video surfaced after the whistleblower, and, uh, of course, he was was called out, uh, showed a piece of videotape that actually included the White Sox. And Danny Farquhar was the guy on the mound. Tyler Flowers, I believe, was the catcher at that time in 2017. And Farquhar heard the sounds of the drum or the, the garbage can banging. And after about the third pitch, called Flowers out, and they changed the signs because he figured out what was going on. Now, again, if a guy can, if guy can figure that out in the heat of the battle, it had to be happening. It had to be a true thing. Now, I don't know about the buzzers that they're talking about on these players uh, under their jerseys. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not privy to that information. I didn't go looking under guys' jerseys, and that's not my level of expertise. Or do, am I going to go there? Um, it's just one of those kind of things that you know you kind of have to hope didn't happen, but sounds like it did. And three guys, four guys actually paid the ultimate price: Jeffrey Luno, uh, AJ Hinch, Joey Cora, and uh, Alex, Alex Cora. Uh, Joey Cora. I get the chorus, chorus confused now. Uh, Alex Cora. And uh, sorry, Joey, uh, Alex Cora, and uh, also Carlos Beltran before he even uh, managed a game with the New York Mets. It's a shame. It's a black eye for the sport. Hopefully, uh, things change and organizations realize that Major League Baseball is pretty serious about cracking down on all this stuff. All right, we'll wrap up White Sox Weekly in just a moment on 720 WGN. And that's going to wrap it up here for us on White Sox Weekly. A big thanks to White Sox pitcher Dylan Cease for joining us today and also for uh, Scott Merkin of MLB.com uh, joining us here as well. Sox Fest coming up this weekend. We'll be out there, and uh, we hope to see you as well. Sunday Spin is coming your way next. But first, time for a check of news here on 720 WGN.